WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Thursday, January 4th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Clouds this morning. Sunshine this afternoon. The high going to be 44. Clear and cold tonight. The low goes down to 28. And then Friday, sunshine, high 40. We'll talk about that weekend storm in just a moment. If you are walking out the door with us right now, 37 and partly cloudy in Northport out on Long Island. It is 33 and partly cloudy in, I can't even read my own handwriting here. It's 33 and partly cloudy in Old Bridge. There we go, in New Jersey. And it is 38 and partly cloudy here in Midtown. That's a good way to start the show. We'll start with this uh, storm that we're getting more details on that's going to hit us over the weekend. I think a lot of us really want to get socked because it's been so long since we've had a real intense snowstorm. In fact, the last time it snowed more than an inch here in the city, you have to go back to February of 2022. And even then, we weren't getting a lot of it. So people are saying, hey, bring it on. I'm just cleaning up my snowblower and getting it ready. Well, I'm actually on light duty because I hurt my elbow, hoping yeah. the neighborhood kids come around and I give them 20 bucks to shovel. Yeah, sorry to hear that. The uh, last time an inch of snow fell in Central Park uh, is that date in February of 2022. And people say, hey, come on, bring it on. Last winter wasn't bad at all, so maybe this winter will be a little bit better. Got the salt ready and shovels ready. I didn't even know the storm was coming. We haven't had snow in a while. We need it. So, uh... I don't know if we need it. Be happy or sad all in the same moment. Do we need it? I don't know about that. The year that Washington crossed the Delaware, there were 90 inches of snow in New Jersey, and we haven't had nine in the last four years. All right. Well, that was, what, 1770, whatever. Uh, National Weather Service uh, meteorologist Jay Engel. Uh, he's giving us a little more detail of what is going to happen. This is a system that's coming in Saturday. It'll last through the day on Sunday. Here's uh, some of what he thinks might happen. As you get down closer in and around New York City, um, looks like uh, amounts would be uh, less, um, especially on the uh, uh, cement, uh, asphalt-type surfaces. And then as you get along the media coast and further east, um, it looks like a rain-snow mix, possibly even going over the rain during the height of the storm. So we're not at this point. The probabilities of accumulating snow look a lot less as you get out towards southeastern coastal sections. Yeah. All right. So uh, maybe the Hudson Valley. So the exact storm track uh, is going to mean everything in terms of uh, whether or not all of the interior gets a. Uh, significant snow or if enough warm air can actually creep up and even get a little further inland so um 10 20 miles either way east or west. the uh, national weather service that's bob brown I'm not sure how he got in the middle of that national weather service meteorologist jay angle uh they're usually really sort of conservative in their forecast so not ready to say that this is going to be a big deal but he is saying uh, likely more snow north of the city. Right now, it looks like um, any accumulating, shovelable, or significant snow, um, the highest probability of that is going to be north and west of uh, New York City. All right, so this is what they're telling us right now. This could change, though, because it's only 
Thursday, and the storm's coming in Saturday. But maybe one to three inches to the city for the city, three to six maybe in the Hudson Valley. And the thought is you have to go pretty far north to get really socked, and even then it won't be a whole lot, maybe six or more way north of the city. So, of course, keep it here. 77 WABC will have the latest on the storm as it starts to slowly move in. One of the uh, big stories last night, former President Bill Clinton, Prince Andrew, have both been named in this first batch of unsealed documents related to Jeffrey Epstein's alleged sex trafficking. In a deposition transcript from one female victim, Epstein allegedly told her Clinton likes them young. The two have long been linked through business, although Clinton denies knowledge about Epstein's crimes. The new documents also mention Prince Andrew. Epstein allegedly forced minors to have sex with the prince multiple times. Prince Andrew previously settled a lawsuit with a woman who claimed he assaulted her when she was a minor, and he says he regrets his former association with Epstein. I'm Brian Shook. We'll get a little more into this list as the morning wears on. The White House says it does not know who's responsible for yesterday's attack in Iran that's left more than 100 dead. The State Department echoing a similar message during a press conference late yesterday. The United States was not involved in any way, and any suggestion to the contrary is ridiculous. And we have no reason to believe that Israel was involved in this explosion. So state media in Iran reports two explosions occurred as people were gathering near the burial site of an Iranian general. He was killed in a U.S. drone strike three years ago. I don't have an assessment to make about who was responsible for that incident. I'll leave it to the government of Israel to speak to their actions. Yes, so some pointing to Israel, of course, as this Israel-Hamas war uh, continues to go on. Both inside Israel... Uh, whether it be in the north or whether it be in the West Bank or outside of Israel uh, in other countries in the region. Yes, the U.S. claiming they don't know who's behind it. That is the killing of a senior Hamas leader is sparking fears of escalation between Israel and Iran-backed militant group Hezbollah to the north of Israel and Ramallah is NBC News correspondent Matt Bradley. There was, until several moments ago, a protest of a couple hundred people, a so-called day of rage, a general strike asking for everybody to go off work and to protest in the streets. Bradley says Israeli forces have not confirmed they were behind the attack, but said they were prepared for any scenario. Two Israeli government ministers have spoken out against criticism that the country has received from the U.S. and others after they called for the displacement of Palestinians from Gaza. The Israelis have said that they have not said either way, whether they're responsible or not, for the assassination of Hamas's number two. Not only did the Israelis reach into a neighboring country in order to assassinate this top official, they reached directly into Hezbollah territory. All right, so far, somewhat or mostly quiet in the north where the Hezbollah is. Palestinian health officials say over 22,000 have been killed in Gaza since the fighting began. Israel says over 1,300 Israelis killed, including 170 soldiers. WABC News Time 508. Let's go down to D.C. The White House trying to put blame on Republicans for the migrant crisis at the southern border. Speaker Johnson, who has been very clear where he stands on the border, continues with the House Republicans to make this a political issue and has blocked any efforts for the president to deal with the border. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre saying House Republicans rejected President Biden's supplemental funding request, which included border funding. But Republicans argue there also needs to be significant policy changes to slow down the flow of migrants. What they're doing is they're they're not doing their job. 
They're focusing on something that Americans do not want to see. They want us to deliver on things that matter to them. Of course, Republicans would push back against that. This comes as House Speaker Mike Johnson and dozens of Republican lawmakers were touring the border town in Eagle Pass, Texas yesterday to spotlight the surge of illegal immigration there. We would describe it as both heartbreaking and infuriating. And it's in less than three years that President Biden took office that this has happened. Johnson says President Biden is in dereliction of duty to protect the nation's sovereignty. This comes after a December where more than 300,000 people crossing the border. It took less than six months for the Biden administration to dismantle 100 years of progress that the U.S. Border Patrol had achieved. And House uh, Speaker Johnson speaking back and pushing back against the notion that some of these families, or a lot of them, are people who are in desperate situations. We have hardened criminals coming across that border. They're the ones being released from prisons from some of these countries and sent here to come into the U.S. A notable name, though, missing from this massive GOP visit to the southern border yesterday was Texas Republican Chip Roy. He says... Instead of taking another tour, he says he's working on ways to force the government to make massive changes to immigration policy. We have the tools at our disposal. Article 1, the Congress. We're supposed to check an out-of-control executive branch. Specifically, he wants Congress to vote down a bill that funds the government unless the southern border is closed. We're the only people in the world who can stop this president and this administration from endangering the people of our country. And he says his fellow lawmakers just not brave enough to do that. I was on the phone yesterday with ranchers and local law enforcement, and they all told me the same thing. Shut down the border or shut down the government. That all going on is the White House slamming the push by Republicans to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. House Republicans are prioritizing baseless impeachment stunts. That's Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. President Biden, she says, has confidence in the secretary's ability to do his job. Republicans in the House moving forward with impeachment proceedings against Mayorkas due to his handling of the crisis at the U.S.-Mexico border. I most certainly will. And I'm going to continue to do my work as well. That's Mayorkas stressing that he's focused on his job, uh, negotiating with senators on the border policy changes to address the surge in migrants arriving from Mexico. I uh, joined the bipartisan group of senators to work on a legislative solution to a broken immigration system. And he says he's willing to work on a fix. That's what we do in the Department of Homeland Security. That's what this administration is focused on. Solutions to problems. And the DOJ now suing the state of Texas over a new law that allows the prosecution and deportation of migrants entering the U.S. from Mexico. The lawsuit asks a federal judge to rule the law violates the supremacy clause of the U.S. Constitution, as well as stopping the state from enforcement. Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed the law last month, citing a rising number of migrants at the southern border. Set to go into effect in March, it would enable any Texas law enforcement officer to arrest people suspected of entering the U.S. illegally. I'm Brian Shook. WABC News Time 512. Let's go up to Cambridge, Massachusetts. Former Harvard University President Claudine Gay warning that her resignation this week could be the start of a campaign against higher education. Gay said in a New York Times op-ed Wednesday that her resignation was wrenching but necessary, adding that the campaign against her was about more than one university and one leader. She announced her decision Tuesday in a message to the Harvard community following allegations of plagiarism and a campus controversy over anti-Semitism. Gay's tenure is now the shortest in the school's history after she became Harvard's first black president in July. 
I'm Brian Shook. Donald Trump's legal team appealing a ruling by the Maine Democratic Secretary of State that he's ineligible to appear on the state's GOP primary ballot. Fellow GOP presidential candidates have called for the ban to be reversed, including former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. What we have seen happen is government thinking that they know better than everybody else. That is not what they're supposed to do. In the appeal, Trump called Shanna Bellows, the Secretary of State of Maine, a biased decision maker and claims she didn't have the legal authority to remove him from the ballot. Don't open a door you can't close. And this is a dangerous door to open. And we need the Supreme Court to step in quickly before we have too many states do this. Yeah, Nikki Haley's going after Trump as well. She's not surprised he's involved in another legal struggle. Rightly or wrongly, chaos follows Trump. It always does. It just follows him. And we can't go through four more years of chaos. We won't survive it. You don't fix Democrat chaos with Republican chaos. By the way, the Democrat majority Colorado Supreme Court also ruling on December 19th that Trump should be disqualified from the state's ballot because of his alleged actions leading up to the January 6th Capitol riot. Supreme Court may ultimately decide on that ballot question. That is Donald Trump's latest 2024 campaign ads are taking aim at Nikki Haley. Airing in New Hampshire, the new 30-second commercial tries to draw similarities between Haley and President Biden. It claims both Haley and Biden opposed Trump's border wall and his controversial travel ban. Although Haley still trails behind Trump in the polls, she's been gaining popularity amongst Republican voters. I'm Mark Mayfield. WABC News Time 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Friday Eve. Happy Thursday. Good morning, Justin Ellis. Good morning to you, Noam Ledden. Happy Friday Eve indeed. Start locally here on the hardwood last night at the Garden. Uh, Julius Randle scored 35 points. Jalen Brunson had 31 points and 13 assists. And the Knicks beat the visiting Chicago Bulls 116-100. to OG Ananobi and Dante DiVincenzo each scored 11 points for New York. And Isaiah Hartenstein had a career-high 20 rebounds along with 10 points and 5 blocks. A late second round, uh, or second quarter, I should say, surge brought the Knicks to uh, 55-51 at halftime. And New York opened uh, the second half on an 8-2 run to reclaim the lead there. And they Increased the lead to eight points several times in the uh, third quarter, led 86 to 78 heading into the fourth, and they finished the job from there thanks to clutch down the stretch play from Randall and Brunson. Out in Houston, the Nets get beat by the Rockets by a score of 112 to 101. Uh, they've lost five in a row and 10 of their last 12, dropping them to 15 and 20 on the year so far. Mikael Bridges and Cameron Johnson led the Nets with 15 points each. Nick, Nick Claston uh, added 12 and 13, while Royce O'Neal chipped in 13 points off the bench. Brooklyn grew its lead to five within the first three minutes of the third quarter, only to see Houston go on a 24-6 run. And uh, the Nets, they couldn't get close to the nine points in the final quarter from there. Both teams will take a breather with off days today before respectively returning to action tomorrow night. On the ice in D.C., Michael McLeod opened the scoring floodgates in uh, or late in the second period for the Devils, who would pour it on in the third on their way to a 6-3 road victory over the Washington Capitals. McLeod had scored his second goal of the game in the third period to ice it, was one of three two-goal scores for the Devs, joined by Nico Heischer and Dawson Mercer. Heischer also had an assist as the New Jersey captain put together a three-point performance on the night. Nico Dawes made uh, 23 saves to pick up his second victory in two appearances since being called up last month. And the Devs win for the fourth time in five games. Tonight, the Rangers and Islanders get set to return to the ice at the Garden. Tonight, the Rangers will welcome in the uh, Chicago Blackhawks for a 7 p.m. puck drop for the Islanders buttheads with the Coyotes in Arizona at 9 p.m.
That's Sports Note, and I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 519. American energy companies pumping at a record pace now, setting the U.S. up to produce more oil than any country has in history. A lot of this can be linked to investments in the fracking industry, which is thriving in Texas right now. The U.S. has already hit production records on and off, and as production steadily increases, yeah, that's that's likely to continue. University of Texas professor there, Tom Tunstall, says oil is selling for a price where manufacturers can turn a profit, and as long as that keeps up, he expects more investment. As long as prices remain, you know, above, certainly above $60, I think we'll continue to see incrementally increased activity. And he says the reason for increased pumping is simple, just economics. The price of oil right now, what Texas Intermediate is, I was $71 a barrel. Uh, most companies can make money at that price. So towards the end of 2023, domestic production was topping 13 million barrels a day. That's more than the peaks of the Trump administration. 520, everybody is moving to Texas. Well, at least on the East Coast, it's everybody moving to Florida. But the rest of the nation, for some reason, they're headed off to Texas. It's Lots of people say it's a great place to live. This according to the latest report from U-Haul. They do this every year where they tell you where the most people they're moving into and where the most people are moving out of. And state leaders in Texas, not surprised to hear that more people than ever are moving to Texas. Texas is the land of opportunity. We have the strongest economy in the United States of America. Glenn Hammer heads the Texas Association of Business. This is the third straight year Texas has topped the U-Haul Growth Index, which looks at the number of one-way movers. Florida came in second. And for the fourth year in a row, California had the largest net loss of one-way movers. This is an economy that is firing on all cylinders in every sector. And by the way, the Texas Association of business and others say, hey, bring it on. They have plenty of room in Texas. People want to move there. People from all around the country are coming to Texas to pursue their employment dreams. There's just no economy in the country that's stronger. WABC News Time 521. The holidays are over and uh, the big jolt is coming, according to Bree Tennis. The festive time of the holiday season is over and we're getting back to pre-holiday life. The American Academy of Family Physicians says it's normal to feel a little blue in January. Shorter days, less sun shine and no merriment but they say get ready a jolt to the system is coming on january 24th that's the day most people will get their holiday bills thirteen hundred dollars on average in holiday debt Yikes. hang in there yeah. i'm brie tennis you know my youngest one said he had the blues yesterday and could not get out of bed to go to school i wasn't there to push him out so he took the day off already on january 3rd good way to start the new year the uh, federal reserve is likely done with rate hikes. At least that's what they're saying. Members of a key Fed committee predicted rate cuts in 2024, but pointed out more uncertainty than usual for its next move. After its last meeting of 2023, the panel voted to hold interest rates at the highest level in more than two decades, but officials, including Fed Chair Jerome Powell, said the economy is likely at or near the peak rate. I'm Lisa Taylor. Tesla has lost its number one position for selling the most electric cars globally. And Hong Kong Andrew Wood says the spot goes to a Chinese company now that's backed by Warren Buffett. BYD said it had sold even more electric vehicles, including hybrids, 8% more. In fact, almost all of them were sold in China, and now it's hoping to repeat that success abroad. There are obstacles. For example, the European Union's investigating possibly unfair subsidies by Beijing. The legendary investor Warren Buffett spotted its potential ages ago and first bought shares back in 2008. Since then, BYD's share price has risen more than 35 times. 
Edgewood, Hong Kong. A 13-year-old from Oklahoma has some major bragging rights as he appears to be the first human to beat Tetris on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Now, this game was invented in the Soviet Union. That's how far back it goes. 1984. It came to the U.S. a few years later. No human has ever beaten the game until this kid was able to do it. An Oklahoma name. Uh, he goes by the nickname Blue Scuddy online. He's 13 years old. Uh, he says his hands froze up as he was able to beat the game. He was pretty ecstatic. I can't feel my hands. Yeah, he couldn't feel his hand. It was about 30 minutes into playing the game when he realized he was close to beating it. The record was previously held by an AI bot. So this kid really did something significant. Now you might ask the question, what does he get for beating Tetris? Well, he gets absolutely squat, just the notion that he beat it. Husky fans who want to watch the national championship game against Michigan in person going to have to pay off. Tickets for the game at a variety of websites are running between $900 and $1,200 for upper-level seats. Airfare from SeaTac to Houston's around $2,000. A hotel will cost at least $150 to $300 a night. A cheaper option would be watching the game at UW's Alaska Arena, but all 7,000 of those tickets sold out in just two hours. Brad Ford, NBC News Radio. And a few NFL teams are planning on resting their starting quarterbacks for the last week of the regular season. Sometimes that drives ticket holders crazy who spend a lot of money to see these stars in action. Baltimore's Tyler Huntley is set to fill in for Lamar Jackson. Kansas City backup Blaine Gabbert will start for Patrick Mahomes. San Francisco's Sam Darnold will start in place of Brock Purdy. Jeff Driscoll starts for Joe Flacco in Cleveland. And Carson Wentz will start in place of Matthew Stafford for the Los Angeles Rams. The Ravens and 49ers have already locked up the number one seed in their respective conferences, while the Chiefs, Browns, and Rams have all clinched their spot in the postseason. I'm Brian Shook. You know, I once got into a silly fight with NBA player Isaiah Thomas. Remember, not the Isaiah Thomas, who was bald, who played for the Detroit Pistons, but the more recent one, when he decided to sit out the last couple games of the season, and I had spent a whole bunch of money to take my youngest one, who was a big Isaiah Thomas fan, to see him in person. And so I said something online, never thinking he would see it, and it started this war back and forth between the two of us. If you Google my name and his name, tons of articles come up about it that uh, are pretty interesting. There is a new King studio at the Global Box Office, Universal Studios, overtook Disney to earn the top spot in 2023. It's the first time Disney has failed to take the number one spot since 2016. It's led by Oppenheimer in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Universal's two dozen movies released just uh, last year, brought in $4.91 billion at the global box office, so big year for them. If you're tired of holiday leftovers. Today's National Day might just be for you. Grab the pasta pot. Today is National Spaghetti Day, paying tribute to one of the world's favorite comfort foods, Sicilian in origin, dating back to the 19th century. It's sauce, pasta, done. You can step it up with meatballs. No one will judge. And slurping the noodles, not considered polite in Italy. But we're not in Italy. I'm Bree Tennis. The opening bell, it rings this morning on Wall Street after stocks closed lower yesterday. Disappointing finish comes after the Nasdaq had its worst day since October. Yesterday's closing bell, the tech-heavy index, had lost 1.18%. The Dow fell 284. S&P 500 dropped 38 points. 
It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noam Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noam on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Thursday, January 4th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Clouds this morning, sunshine this afternoon, high 44. Clear and cold overnight tonight, the low 28. And then Friday, sunny, high 40. We'll take a look at the weekend forecast coming up in just a moment. If you are walking out the door with us right now, 37 and partly cloudy in Northport out on Long Island. It is 33 and partly cloudy in Old Bridge down in New Jersey. And it is 38 and overcast skies outside our Midtown studios right now. We'll start this half hour here in the city. No doubt you've heard how much the MTA has lost over the last couple years by people who try to beat the fares on both buses and subways. So the MTA always trying to figure out a way to outsmart those people who try to outsmart them by not paying. The latest is these new fare gates that they've tried in a couple locations across the city. They are harder to jump, but what they have found out is they're easier to beat on the fare because there's this uh, idea, it's called piggybacking. I had not heard of this until I was uh, sent some of this video of people doing this at these subway stations where this pilot plan is being rolled out. These gates are wider so people can walk through with a, a baby carriage or luggage. They've done this at a number of subway stations that are main thoroughfares to the airport. So people have lots of times luggage. This would be like at the um, Jamaica station. And so they've tried these out. And what they have found is that when one person pays the fare, the gate stays open long enough so five or six others, if they are right behind them, can run through without paying. Now, I didn't believe this until I saw the video. And they sent us the video. And sure enough, you watch one guy pay the fare. And then all of a sudden, there's four or five people just cramming right behind them. And in the case of the videos we watched, it wasn't even clear that the person who was paying knew that all these other people were piggybacking off his fare. So already in these trial periods, they have figured out how to beat the system. MTA's chief accessibility officer and a senior advisor to the MTA chairman says he's watched the video, too, and he says he's not completely shocked by it. I wanted to see how the customers were going to utilize that gate, good and bad. Yeah, so this is not a cheap program, by the way. $700 million pilot program with these high-tech entries gates uh, at the Atlantic Avenue Barclay Center in Brooklyn. Uh, they're trying them out. Penn Station in Manhattan, Astoria Boulevard in Queens. These are all connections to major transit hubs. And since many riders bring suitcases with them, the new fare gates are wider. It makes it easier for people with luggage to get through. Now, this is what they claim. Even though we've watched a slew of videos of people piggybacking off these riders with four, one person paying four or five getting through the gate before it closes again. They claim that more people than ever are paying at these stations because of these new gates. We have increased paid ridership at this station by 20 percent. Yeah, so this pilot program comes months after a special panel found the MTA lost $500 million to fare evaders in 2021 and $690 million in 2022. So we'll watch to see how this all works out. But they claim 
they're going to fix what's wrong with this piggybacking idea as they work at the skate is all they say part of this pilot program out in new jersey maybe you heard about this the mayor mayor adams had made a mandate that migrants who were coming from the U.S.-Mexico border on buses could only come between 8 and 12 in the morning, Monday through Friday, to the Port Authority. And anybody who came outside those hours could be potentially ticketed, the bus drivers, or even have their buses taken from them. Well, Texas figured this out very quickly, and instead of sending buses into the city at all hours. They sent them to New Jersey train stations where then migrants have been getting on trains coming into the city. Well, now we come to find out that New Jersey officials are making sure that the Big Apple doesn't dump the out-of-control migrant mess on the Garden State. They've even deployed cops now to these train stations where these buses are arriving, who then tell the migrants in uh, Spanish or whatever language they speak how to get on these New Jersey transit trains to get into the city. In fact, there were people holding up signs in Spanish uh, at the Secaucus station that said, here's your way to get to your train that'll take you into the city. New Jersey so desperate not to take on this migrant mess that um, they're not going to help New York. Uh, maybe the mayor has reached out to some of these towns where these train stations are and has said, hey, can you help us by not letting these buses into your town? So far, no New Jersey town that we could find has agreed to anything that has anything to do with the mayor. Governor Murphy uh, not saying much about this situation at all, except to say that... Um, that, you know, they don't want that migrant mess in New Jersey. I consider this under control, but in the context of a broken American immigration system that must be comprehensively reformed ASAP. But clearly there has been a directive now, whether it comes from the governor's office or those local municipalities, to send police officers to these train stations where these buses have been arriving over the last couple of days to usher those migrants not anywhere into New Jersey, but onto the trains that will directly take them into the city. New Jersey has about two dozen drop-offs in Edison, Trenton, and Secaucus, all with trains that'll take you right into the city. And so far, they say they've been able to convince all those migrants to leave the platform, get on those trains, and head into the city. WABC News Time 538. Let's go up to the Hudson Valley. New York State Police say troopers shot and killed a man on the thruway in Hilburn. This was about 3 o'clock yesterday. It shows you just how quickly police can work to find someone and how amazing their work is. Uh, we don't have the identity of everybody involved, but a gunman shot and killed somebody up in the Albany area, and they knew that he was racing down uh, I-87. So the police alerted any area officers who might see this car that they're looking for this person and that the person likely has a gun with them. Here's what it sounded like on police radio yesterday. Uh, vehicle involved in a homicide. Uh, plate was last read around 1.48 p.m. today's day going southbound. Uh, yeah, so uh, they identified the car and then troopers quickly found this car in Hilburn on I-87 and pulled it over. over right now. It Yeah, the radio, a little confusing to understand, but what happened was they pulled this uh, guy over. He immediately started shooting at these officers. The officers returned fire and killed the man. Uh, Of course, there was an intense investigation that took place afterwards. It caused an enormous amount of traffic, but uh, thankfully, the officers are okay who were involved in this, and uh, police... 
neighbors who were in the area say, you know, it was a little bit intense getting around, but they're happy the officers were not hurt. Saw a number of emergency vehicles passing us over and over, so we figured it was some some big event right now. I was in a house. I heard a big bang. Yeah, good job done by those officers in Hilburn. 540, let's go down to Newark, where an imam was shot to death outside his mosque yesterday. The shooting reported that the Masjid Muhammad in Newark on South Orange Avenue. This was about 6.15 in the morning. The imam, Hassan Sharif, when the police arrived at the scene, they found Sharif lying in the parking lot, multiple gunshot wounds. He was about 10 feet away from the mosque entrance. He had bullet wounds in his abdomen and left arm. When they raced him to the hospital, it was too late. He had passed away. Now, officials say they don't know yet what the motive is for this shooting, if there was one, but they say it does not appear to be an act motive motivated by bias or domestic terrorism. People who knew Sharif well are at a loss to so who would want to cause him harm. Yeah, that's the same question a lot of us have here. Um, why would you want to kill Hassan Sharif? My heart is really hurting over him. You're not afraid to attack an, an imam. How would he have his Muslim? Acting Essex County Prosecutor Theodore Steffen says they're investigating and will work fast to find the gunman and a motive for the shooting. It's not lost on us the particular impact on the Islamic community. We share your pain and we promise to utilize the full resources of those here and those who are continuing to partner with us so we make sure that this heinous crime is solved. Now, people in the area... They say they do not believe this shooting had anything to do with the crisis in the Middle East or ethnic or religious bias. People in this neighborhood say this is routine, this kind of gunfire, these kinds of shootings. So they just say it's part of the neighborhood. This adds to it or this, you know, it creates that sense of of uh, distrust or a sense of. Uh, uh, of fear. Islam is supposed to be about helping people, and that was what Hassan Sharif was about. They, they held a vigil for Sharif last night. Investigators now going through security and city-owned street cameras to determine whether they can spot a gunman. Bullet casings have also been retrieved. They're being analyzed, and there is a $25,000 reward being offered to anyone that comes forward with information on the shooting. Let's bring it back here into the city. A mask mandate resuming for all 11 of the city's public Public hospitals after an increase in COVID, flu, and respiratory virus cases. The mask requirement also applies for all health clinics and nursing homes run by New York City Health and Hospitals. Workers say, for the most part, it seems everybody's okay with this mask mandate for now. They told us when we came in huddle this morning, they said that we must wear masks. We got to work together, right? The health commissioner, Dr. Ashwin Vassan, says the requirement is for areas of the hospital where patients are being treated. What we don't want is staffing shortages, right? When we saw the Omicron wave in 2022, the biggest issues were not only people getting sick, but that we had a lot of uh, frontline health workers out yeah, with this is, COVID. This is more about protecting the frontline workers from getting sick. So in case there is a surge, they're still on the job. Dr. Tapia Mendoza, he was on the front lines during COVID. He works uh, in a hospital in Washington Heights, and he says he's been trying to convince people, especially those with asthma, high blood pressure, diabetes, to get some of the vaccinations, either the flu shot, the COVID shot. But he says people have been kind of resistant to do so. And he says a fair amount of them, unfortunately, end up in the hospital. Every week we are getting more overnight calls about the kids with fever, cough. There's a lot of resistance, especially in minority communities 
about getting the influenza vaccine. So here's the good news is um, they want to be prepared in case there is their surge. But they say so far, all these hospitals having no problem handling these viruses and these people coming in. Firefighters battling in all hands on fire last night in the Bronx. It left a five-year-old dead, three uh, three others injured. This was about 5 o'clock. It was a home on Barnes Avenue. Three generations of a family live in this home. The youngest family member, this five-year-old, not sure what happened, but he was unable to get out of the house. When firefighters got to the home, they say the basement was filled with smoke, and they found the five-year-old boy dead on a bed. Um, they rushed him to Jacobia Hospital, but they could not revive him. Neighbors, as you might guess, uh, devastated. I seen them running, trying to, um, you know, to keep, you know, bring him, trying to bring the babies out, and they were able to get, you know, get, you know, get some of them out. But I think it was just so bad that, you know, one of the babies didn't, um, didn't make it, didn't survive. He's very smart too. Yeah. It hurts me a lot. An 83-year-old, a 26-year-old were transported to Jacoby for smoke inhalation. They're expected to survive. Uh, Deputy Fire Chief Kenneth Scanlon, he was on the scene uh, trying to figure out what started this all. Three other people did go to the hospital with uh, minor injuries as well. And I don't know if they were in the house at the time of the fire. So the cause of the fire remains under investigation. This is actually the second child killed in a house fire in the last three days. A seven-year-old girl was killed in a house fire on Staten Island on New Year's Day. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellen. Thank you, Noam Allen. Start locally here on the hardwood last night at the Garden. Julius Randle scored 35 points. Jalen Brunson had 31 points and 13 assists. And the Knicks beat the visiting Chicago Bulls 116 to 100. OG Anunobi and Dante DiVincenzo each scored 11 points for New York. And Isaiah Hartenstein had a career high 20 rebounds along with 10 points and 5 blocks. A late second quarter surge brought the Knicks to 55 to 51 at halftime. And New York opened the second half on an 8 to 2 run to reclaim the lead. They increased that lead to eight points several times in the third and led 86-78 heading into the fourth, and they'd finished the job from there thanks to clutch down the stretch play from Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson. In Houston, the Nets get beat by the Rockets by a score of 112-101. to The Nets have lost five in a row and ten of their last twelve, dropping them to 15-20 and on the year so far. Mikkel Bridges and Cameron Johnson led the Nets with 15 points each. Nick Claxton added 12 points and 13 rebounds, while Royce O'Neal chipped in 13 points of his own off the bench. Brooklyn Gruitz lead to five within the first three minutes of the third quarter. We'll only see Houston go on a 24-6 run, and Brooklyn couldn't get any closer than nine points in the final quarter thereafter. Uh, both teams will take a breather with off days today before respectively returning to action tomorrow night. On the ice in D.C., Michael McLeod opened the scoring floodgates late in the second period for the Devils, who would pour it on in the uh, third period on their way to a 6-3 road victory over the Washington Capitals. McLeod, who scored his second goal of the game in the first period to ice it, was one of three two-goal scorers for the Devs, joined by Nico Heischer and Dawson Mercer. Heischer also had an assist as the New Jersey captain put together a nice three-point performance last night. Nico Dawes made 23 saves to pick up his uh, second victory in two appearances since being called up, and the Devils win for the fourth time in five games. Tonight, the Rangers and Islanders get set to return to the ice. At the Garden tonight, the Rangers will welcome in the Chicago Blackhawks for a 7 p.m. puck drop before the Islanders butt heads with the Coyotes out in Arizona. That's at 9 p.m. That's Sports Note, and I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Justin, what do you make of all these teams resting these players on the final weekend of the season? You know, fans pay premium prices to see these guys in action, and now they won't. 
Yeah, I mean, I think most fans understand at this point that if you get tickets this late in the season for a uh, a usually successful uh, team that you may not see some of your favorite players out there, at least for the entirety of the game, I think a lot of teams will you'll probably see starters for about a, a quarter. Hmm, so uh, like the preseason sort of. Yeah, sort of thing. Uh, maybe a little bit longer than that, a quarter, maybe a half, and then you'll see a lot of teams... Uh, uh, yank them. But things are so tight that this year in the NFL, you really only have a couple of teams that that's going to be the case for. Uh, most games this weekend, you're going to see uh, really tough-nosed football because there's a lot of teams on the bubble still that are looking to get into the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be a great weekend of football. Great weekend. No Thursday night football, of course. But Thank Saturday God. football. Right. We're spared We're spared Thursday night football this yeah, week. Yeah, we don't have to miss it like we do yeah, every other week. The riveting yeah. year of Thursday night football we were, <laughs> yeah. we, we were given. Uh, but we're looking forward to a great weekend of, uh, of NFL football once again. No? Let's get you up on the big stories of the morning. Lots of people hoping, praying this weekend's snowstorm will turn into something big. I'm just cleaning up my snowblower and getting it ready. Well, I'm actually on light duty because I hurt my elbow, hoping the neighborhood kids come around and I give them 20 bucks to shovel. 20 bucks, does that cut it? There wasn't much snow last winter in the tri-state. In fact, I think we only got like an inch or so. The last time we got any real accumulation, you have to go back to February of 2022. Last winter wasn't bad at all, so maybe this winter will be a little bit better. Got the salt ready and shovels ready. I didn't even know the storm was coming. We haven't had snow in a while. We need it. So uh, I might... Be happy or sad all in the same moment. Yeah, well, weekend snowstorms just kind of fun. The year that Washington crossed the Delaware, there were 90 inches of snow in New Jersey, and we haven't had nine in the last four years. Yeah, it's been a long time since we really have been socked. It doesn't look like this will be the storm that will do that. Checking in with the National Weather Service meteorologist Jay Angle, he's giving us a sense of what the storm's going to look like. As you get down closer in and around New York City, um, Looks like uh, amounts would be uh, less, um, especially on the uh, uh, cement, uh, asphalt-type surfaces. And then as you get along the immediate coast and further east, um, it looks like a rain-snow mix, possibly even going over the rain during the height of the storm. So we're not at this point, the probabilities of accumulating snow look a lot less as you get out towards southeastern coastal sections. It was our own Bob Brown who actually spoke with Jay Engel last night, so you, you might hear a little bit of him here where they talk about a snow-rain mix maybe more so for the city. The exact storm track uh, is going to mean everything in terms of uh, whether or not all of the interior gets a uh, significant snow or if enough warm air can actually creep up and even get a little further inland. So, um, 10, 20 miles either way, east or west, coming up the coast could mean a whole new ball game, right? Yeah, a little shift of uh, 10, 15, 20 miles could mean um, could mean more snow or less snow, depending on uh, where you are. Yeah, so north of the city, I guess this will be a bigger deal. Right now, it looks like um, any accumulating, shovelable, or significant snow, um, the highest probability of that is going to be north and west of uh, New York City. All right, so this is what Jay is telling us. Uh, one to three inches, maybe, for the city. This is going to start Saturday night uh, into Sunday. Now, it could change still. That's what he was warning us. Three to six Hudson Valley, six or more way up north of the city. If you are south of us, it likely more you be more of a rain event. But of course, keep it here. Seventy-seven WABC will have the latest as we have a better sense of what this storm will do as it moves in over the weekend. Uh, last night, 
we got a little bit more sense of who was on that Jeffrey Epstein list of people who have flown back and forth to his island. Former President Bill Clinton, Prince Andrew, have both been named in this first batch of unsealed documents related to Jeffrey Epstein's alleged sex trafficking. In a deposition transcript from one female victim, Epstein allegedly told her Clinton likes them young. The two have long been linked through business, although Clinton denies knowledge about Epstein's crimes. The new documents also mention Prince Andrew. Epstein allegedly forced minors to have sex with the prince multiple times. Prince Andrew previously settled a lawsuit with a woman who claimed he assaulted her when she was a minor, and he says he regrets his former association with Epstein. I'm Brian Shook. We're looking at home prices in Manhattan on the rise for the first time in more than a year. Reports say surging sales of high-end apartments and townhouses just fueling the market along with some lower mortgage rates now. According to reports from the real estate firm Douglas Elliman and Miller Samuel, homes sold for an average of $1.16 million, $1.6 million in the fourth quarter of 2023. Uh, homes at or above $5 million also went up while more than two-thirds of buyers there paid cash for their homes. Must be nice. There are safety concerns after two cases of pedestrians being hit by cars on the same street in Farmingdale, out on Long Island. Some residents want changes to Fulton Avenue. It's just a bad road. There's accidents all over the place. They really have to do something about it. They need to put speed cameras or something. It's really bad. Very dangerous. Yeah, the latest Nassau police say an 87-year-old man sent to the hospital after he was hit along Fulton Avenue. A few days prior, a grandmother and her grandson were both hit on the same street. The two are still in critical condition. They started banning vendors yesterday from the Brooklyn Bridge. If you have not walked the Brooklyn Bridge in a number of years, you might have missed the fact that it's become or it had become this bazaar of uh, all kinds of tables of vendors selling all kinds of tourist items to the thousands who cross the bridge every day. Well, they started closing down some of those vendors yesterday. Some tourists, not so happy. They wanted to do some shopping there. Instead of picking on vendors that are trying to make a living, they should go and try to work on the criminal element and not to have the subway as a homeless shelter. You know, people dying, people killing each other, you know, people starving, you know. New York is overcrowded. It's upside down. Yeah, a lot of people saying, why are you going after these people? Most of them, by the way, I should point out, do have vendors' licenses. A lot of them are veterans. Mixed emotions. I mean, they got to make their money, but, you know, it is crowded over there. I don't go on the bridge, so they don't get in my way. Because I don't know where they're going to head now. You know, I, I don't know what's going to happen with them. They need a job, too. was talking with one of the vendors yesterday. He actually wasn't worried. He said, uh, there's plenty of other places I can go to sell my wares while I'll make money. He said it might not be as much, though, as he's made on the Brooklyn Bridge. Well, we did hear that souvenirs were cheaper here than anywhere else in the city. So it's a little disappointing not to be able to make purchases like that. We're going to see the sunrise, but it would have been cool to see the market's up there as well. Yeah, they were gone. So the city council, though, is considering a bill that, if approved, would allow vendors on bridges as long as they stay 20 feet apart. We'll see how that goes.